Episode 6, Victoria. Liars and Leeches is a horror audio drama intended for mature audiences only. It contains sensitive topics including discussions of gun violence as well as depictions of domestic violence, stalking, and murder. More specific details about each episode are listed in the show notes. Listener discretion is advised. Is Natalie Hale? Yes, that's me. Come with me. Mrs. Parks will be glad to see you. Really? She hasn't gotten a visitor in several years. She's not that bad, you know, all things considered. She always asks me how I am, if my family's good. Not that she knows if I even have a family. We don't tell inmates anything about our personal lives, but... She just wants to make sure everyone's doing okay. She's the kind who'd bake cookies for visitors and the guards if she could. What do you mean by that? I don't know. She just seems different compared to our other prisoners. But she's told you why she's locked up here. For butchering her husband? Oh, yeah. She'll tell anyone who asks. She's never admitted to anything, though. Always the same story about some stranger doing it instead. That's so weird. You don't really think of her as being a killer or a liar. She kind of reminds me of my grandma. But then you take a look at her file and the pictures in there, and you realize anyone is capable of doing something bad. Wait here. I'll get Mrs. Parks. Natalie pulled out a small tape recorder, making sure it was charged and ready to go. Once that was set up, she pulled a notebook from her bag. Inside were a few basic questions to get Mrs. Parks talking. Once she had more details, she could come up with more specific questions based on what she was told. After that, there was nothing left to do but wait. Natalie drummed her pen against the notebook, wondering how Tanya was faring at the moment. I'm doing this. Mrs. Parks? Oh, please, dear. (laughs) Call me Victoria. No need to be so formal. Then you should call me Natalie. Ah, Natalie. What a lovely name. No need to worry about me, Eddie. I'm sure Natalie and I will get along just fine. I'll be right outside if you need anything, Miss Hale. And when you're done, just knock and I'll escort you out. Thanks. So, now it's just us girls. Oh, I'm so happy to talk to you, dear. It's been so long, and I thought for sure no one would want to hear my story anymore. (laughs) Old news and all that. Well, I'm working on a story, and when I read about your case, I thought you'd be the perfect person to talk to. Oh, really? Why? 
I can't imagine there are too many stories out there like mine. So it must be something rather unique. Some similarities between your stories. They're in the same town, actually. Oh, well, that's... that's rather unfortunate. Why do you say that? Well, if your story is at all like my story, I certainly don't want that poor person to end up like me. Locked up for something they didn't do in a place like this. That's exactly why I wanted to talk to you. Do you mind if I record our conversation? No, not at all, dear. Let's start from the beginning. For the record, can you say your name and your age, and then just walk me through what happened from your perspective? Certainly. My name is Victoria Ann Parks, and I'm 65 years old. Thirty years ago this past summer, a man broke into my home and killed my husband. Can you go more in-depth than that? I was going to, dear, just getting settled in. No need to rush. (sighs) Robert and I got married young, you see. He was a couple of years older than me, and he was handsome. Charming. They all are, I suppose. Men like him. I used to wonder how anyone could fall for men like that. But now I know better. He was an angry man, too. Of course, he didn't let me know that until after our wedding. I still wonder if I missed the signs. They say that it isn't a woman's fault, but when you've been in a relationship like this, it's hard to not ask yourself if you were just oblivious. But he hid his true nature well. He was a beacon in our community. My God, a friendly man with a good job and a beautiful house. Showed up to church every Sunday with a smile on his face. No one had any idea what he was really like. Except for me, of course. He was so quick to anger. Mostly the little things that set him off. A late dinner food he didn't like, the wrong vintage of wine, but nothing, and I mean nothing, made him more angry than what he thought was an insult to his reputation. (laughs) I can't fucking believe this. Look at it. Are you kidding me with this crap? Fucking idiot. I asked you to make dinner, not whatever this slop is. I'm sorry. No. You're not. You're not sorry. You wouldn't fuck up this much if you were. I'm trying. I just... I don't know what you want sometimes. You stupid bitch. You knew I wanted to impress my boss, and then you serve this for my dinner with Mr. Clark? It's nice, Robert. And Mr. Clark said he liked it. I I swear, I I was trying to be helpful. You're trying to sabotage my fucking career is what you're doing. Christ, why I married such a stupid whore, I'll never know. Ah! Robert, stop! I, I swear, I'm, I'm trying to do things right, I promise. Well, let me make sure the message sinks in, then. We lived in Cedar Grove back then. It's a nice town, but it was small. 
Back then, people in town thought New York City was the hotbed of crime, so everyone wanted to live here and commute into work. The craze of the 90s hadn't quite hit our home. It was still very Mayberry, very Donna Reed. Everyone knew everyone. And everyone thought they knew Robert. Thought he was a perfect gentleman. I had no one to go to. (laughs) Nowhere to run. He controlled my money, you see. And I didn't have a job, but... It wasn't as though I could just up and run, not until I had the funds to survive on my own. So I started saving up pennies when I could. Just enough to get away when the time was right. Jesus, I'm so sorry you went through that. It was, well... I was going to say it's it's fine, but... The truth of the matter is it wasn't. Nothing about my life was fine then. Well, like I said, it was a small town, and that's why. When I started to see him around, he stood out. This, this man. He was tall. That's what I noticed at first. I never saw his face until the end of it all. The rest of his outfit, well, it didn't make sense to wear in the heat of the summer. A long coat with a hood pulled over his face? No, 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 no. It was boiling that July. I remember that clear as day. And yet he never changed. Never seemed to be as warm as the rest of us. I would see him outside our windows sometimes. Just watching the house. Once, when I was washing dishes, I looked up and saw him not twelve feet away. Oh, scared me so badly I broke a plate. Robert beat me for that. And I would see him around the town, too. When I was out doing errands or out with a friend or two. Always watching. He never acknowledged me. He just watched. And then, the night Robert died, it... It had escalated after Robert found the money I'd been saving. (laughs) You think I wouldn't notice the household allowances weren't adding up? Huh? You think I'm stupid? No, just listen to me, please. I I just wanted a little money of my own. What I give you isn't good enough, you greedy fucking bitch. I finally broke down and told him I wanted to leave. That I wanted a divorce. That caused him to snap. I'd never seen him that angry. And to this day, I didn't know he had a gun. He got it out of the closet and cornered me in the kitchen. I'll kill you! I'll fucking kill you! (laughs) Oh, Jesus, stop! Please, please stop! You want to make a fool out of me! You want to make me look weak. No, Robbie, please, it's me, it's me, don't do this. He pressed the gun to my head and turned the safety off. Beg me, beg me to spare your pathetic fucking life. Oh, God. Beg! And that.
when Robert saw him. The man, just peering in through the window like he was watching a TV show or something. I saw his face for the first time. He was smiling. I remember that. Who the fuck is that? Your fucking boyfriend? No, no, I swear he's been following me, but I've never been unfaithful. The man smiled even more at that. Robert launched into this whole speech about how unfaithful I was, how I was trying to rob him and make him look like a fool. He was, well, even with everything I saw that night, I'd still call him monstrous. I can't believe I married you. Some stupid fucking bitch who never knows when to shut up. And you think you're gonna fucking run off into the sunset with that bastard out there? (laughs) Neither of you are gonna make it that far, sweetheart. So don't even bother to beg, because first I'm gonna kill your stupid smirking lover, and then you can join him. Robert practically ran to the door, pointing his gun at the man and forcing him inside. He made the man and I kneel down on the floor, pointed his gun at the man's head. Robert, please, you don't have to do this. We we could just talk. I don't want to hear another fucking word. And you, lover boy, any last words? But when he said that, the man launched himself at Robert so fast that I could barely see it. Faster than I've ever seen anyone move before. And in the blink of an eye, he grabbed the knife I'd been using earlier off the counter. And he pulled Robert just close enough to stab him in the chest. What the fuck? First time, Robert screamed and dropped the gun. Then he stabbed Robert a second time. Robert fell. The man followed him down, just stabbing over and over. I I just... I I should have run. But I was in shock. I just backed away into another corner and sank down to the floor, watching as Robert died. I probably should have been scared, but... All I could think was, thank God he's dead. (sighs) After that, the man just walked over to me and crouched down. That's when I really got scared. Because he didn't look like a normal man. What did he look like? His eyes were black. Pitch black, like a night sky with no stars. And his teeth, they were sharp and pointed, like like some sort of predator. And he smiled at me, showing all these horrible teeth, and I was certain he was going to kill me next. But he didn't, obviously, or I wouldn't be here talking to you. Instead, he said the strangest thing. 
smiled at me and said, Thank you for the best meal I've had in years. Then he took my hand, put the knife in it, and gave it a squeeze. Then he just got up and walked out like he didn't have a care in the world. It was just me and the body then. Oh, I started to scream and I called 911. The rest is history, I suppose. Police found no signs of forced entry and no fingerprints beside mine and Robert's. There was the gun, of course, but the police said Robert had drawn it in self-defense against me. I told my story over and over, but no one, and I mean no one, believed me. I mean, after all, how foolish is it? Some random man I didn't know shows up in the nick of time to save me and kill my husband. My husband, a seemingly perfect member of the community. And now you're here. And now I'm here. And I won't be getting out anytime soon. But it's not all bad. I get three square meals a day. I don't have to cook. And Robert can't hurt me anymore. I've even made some good friends here. And to be honest, it's probably safer in here. That man is still out there. I'm sure of it. So I just want to ask a few clarifying questions. Of course. You said you saw the man watching you. How did you know it was him? Like I said, it was a small town. I knew everyone there, so a newcomer was easy to spot. Beyond his strange behavior. Behavior? Well, he would always stand perfectly still. Like some kind of statue. I remember one night, I had to run to the grocery store to pick something up I'd forgotten for dinner. The store was almost entirely empty, but I saw him there. He just stood in an aisle, watching me. Scared me so badly, I almost forgot why I came in. The grocery store? Was it the one called the Hometown Farm Stand? Yes, that's the one, dear. I used to go shopping there every Sunday. Uh, Have I answered all your questions? I I do want to help. Just one last one. Were there any identifying marks on the man? Oh, yes, yes, there was. uh, He had some sort of mark on his left hand. A tattoo? Yes, dear. I saw it quite clearly when he gave me the knife. Come to think of it, I saw it a few times when he was watching me. Can you draw it for me, please? Of course. Uh, May I borrow your notebook and pen? Oh, right, of course. Uh, It was sort of a diamond symbol, near his thumb. Sorry, dear. I'm not much of an artist, but it looked like this. You're sure? Of course. I mean, this isn't the sort of story you forget details from. Did you tell the police about it? I did, but they didn't seem very interested. I remember they did a basic police sketch, but I think they did that more for my benefit than theirs. 
The whole story sounded just so surreal that they assumed I was lying. Are you all right, Natalie? You look a bit pale. Oh, no, I'm all right. Just a lot to process. You've seen it before, haven't you? This mark. No, but my... My source has. She said she saw the same mark on someone's hand. Tell her to take care. This man, he's he's dangerous. I wouldn't want her to get hurt or for someone else she knows to get hurt. I don't understand. This all happened 30 years ago. Yes, it did. So how can he have the same tattoo? Well, I don't know, dear. Has anyone else tried to talk to you about your story? Yes, a few people throughout the years, but mostly right after the case happened. A few reporters trying to do profiles of a wife who just snapped. You know, that was that was their angle. But you're the first person in a few years. Who was the last person you spoke to about this? His name was Sean Walker. What was his angle? Well, to be honest, I'm not entirely sure. He was rather strange. For one, he believed me. Right off the bat, he believed my story completely. But he was so concerned about the man. He wanted to know every single detail I could remember about him. From his appearance, to the mark on his hand, to, well, really anything I could think of. Did he say why? (laughs) When he first said why, I laughed. Why? Because he said the man wasn't human. And that he wanted to know everything he could about a creature like him. Oh, that's odd. Well, that's what I said at first. I, I laughed straight in his face. I said, I don't believe in any of that stuff. Angels or demons or what have you. But then I thought about that man's face. I think about the way his eyes looked and those teeth. And there's just no explanation. Maybe there is something more. There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio. Than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Hmm. And that's what really keeps me up at night. Not what happened. Not that, no. Not that Robert's dead. (laughs) I'm happy he's gone. But what if that man wasn't a man at all? What if it was something supernatural? Do you have a way to contact Sean? I might want to ask him a few questions, too. Absolutely, dear. He gave me his number in case I remembered anything else. And I have an excellent memory. Here you go. Thank you. I think that's all I have for now, but if I think of something else... Please call me. I'm not usually busy. (laughs) And I'd love to have another visitor. Tell me about how your story goes. If your subject is all right, please. I will. Thank you for your time. Take care of yourself, dear. You too. You sit tight, Mrs. Parks. I'll be back to take you to your cell in a moment. Oh, you take your time, Eddie. Lord knows I'm not going anywhere. So, how did it go? Well, you were right. She really did sound like someone's grandma. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't think she could have done it. 
Maybe you'll find out the truth while you work on your story. Yeah, maybe I will. Well, you take care of yourself, Ms. Hale. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You as well. Sean Walker, huh? Let's see what you have to say about all this. You've reached Happy Memories Photography, located in Ferndale, Michigan. We're currently unavailable to take your call, but please leave a message and we'll get back to you soon. Michigan, huh? Might be time for a bit of a trip. Shuttlecotty as Natalie, Derv LeClue as Victoria Parks, Jordan Kalina as Robert Parks, Jason Lasky as Sean, Jamie Richard Stewart as The Man, and Stephen Indrasano as The Guard. Liars and Leeches was produced by Hemlock Creek Productions. The story was created by Marissa Ewing and the script written by K.J. Scott with script editing provided by Meg Williams. Dialogue editing, mixing, and mastering was done by Marissa Ewing. Sound design by Melissa Pons and music written by Nico Vitese of We Talk of Dreams. Additional recording assistance provided by Jordan Alexander and Trey Baker of Music City Studios. To learn more about the show, cast, and crew, visit www.hemlockcreekprod.com. That's hemlockcreekprod.com. Thank you for listening. We will return next week.